Hey, welcome back to another episode of Epic Communicators. We'd like to share this podcast with you today, and we think you're really going to enjoy it. Today, we talked to a pet expert who's also done a ton of public speaking and made a career out of it. His name is Steve Dale. He talks about pets. Lately, he's been talking a lot about companion pets, and he's going to share some insights with us as to how his public speaking skills have advanced his career and how it can help you as well. Take a listen. And welcome, everyone, to Epic Communicators Podcast. Today, we have an interesting guest on the line here. I'm going to let uh, Steve Dale is, is our guest and I'm going to let uh, Melinda, our other host, do some uh, to, to introduce Steve, but uh, you're not going to be disappointed. The, the point of today's podcast was to find someone who actually is doing public speaking or professional communication for a living. And so, uh, Melinda, why don't you just tell us a little about, a bit about Steve and then we could talk to him. Yes, today I have a big smile on my face because we are going to talk to Steve Dale. As Greg said, he's got many credentials behind his name. He's a certified animal behavioral consultant, columnist, host of several radio shows. He's a member of several organizations, board of directors, award winner, and so, so much more. So I want to welcome you, Steve, to our podcast today. We're so appreciative you're taking time out to speak with us. Oh, I'm happy to do it, of course. Great. So our listeners are interested in how you became the excellent public speaker you are, because I've listened to your podcast, I've listened to you on your radio show, and it's phenomenal, um, you know, what you do in your uh, profession. And they're also interested in how the pandemic has changed your business. So let's jump right in. You, can you tell us how you started in public speaking? How did, how did you get into that? Oh, gosh. I mean, probably it was the mistake of a teacher when I was in high school. I think it was my sophomore year, and I was taking a speech class. And it was a choice of that class or this class or this class or this class as a class you had to take. So a lot of the folks were in the room because it was a class they had to take. Not me. I wanted to learn more about, even at that age, how to talk to an audience, communicate to an audience. And the teacher said, anytime anyone wants to give an extra credit speech, you can do it. You can do it every day because you had all these people that didn't want to speak. They didn't want to do the speeches. And we were told what kind of speeches to do. And uh, he said, extra credit speeches, you could talk about whatever you want. So, and you could talk for as long as you want. So he had to actually at some point stop me and say, Steve, you can no longer give any extra credit speeches. <laughs> One I gave for the whole fifth, the other students loved when I spoke because it took up all the class time. And one literally did take up all the class time. I couldn't say, remember what I talked about. So I suppose that's where it began. It began where I got paid for it, which is always a good thing. Uh, When I began to do radio, and it started when I was even playing music on the radio, and I was even then still in high school. That's amazing. That's incredible that you started so young. (laughs) I I think it was only five years ago. (laughs) You're a young man, right, Steve? I think. And I I just want to dig a little bit more into that. So so you're doing radio, uh, you're doing you know podcasts and everything, and 
obviously yours are a little bit longer than ours. You know, we're, we're, we're very short form here, but you, you go on for long periods of time here. Uh, that's going to require, you know, people to, to stick around. And one of the things that I've noticed, like with Zoom and, and Melinda and I were just talking about this before, that people have the ability to just sort of turn it off and put the video off and turn the mute on and walk away. So, so what do you do uh, to keep people engaged? Obviously, that can happen with the radio, too. People could just turn it off. So as a host, how do you keep people engaged throughout your show? What are some of the things that you do, maybe tricks and tips that you use for that? Well, I, you know, what I talked about on the radio these days for many years now are uh, companion animals, dogs and cats primarily. Uh, and I understand, I mean, I myself have the attention span of a hamster, you know, so I, I understand where uh, people do come in, they come out. And the great thing about podcasts is that if there's something interesting, they can push the pause button quite literally and then come back to it later, should they desire to do so. I, I think that the secret formula for me as answering your question is what applies to you? What matters to the person who's listening to me? So everything that I talk about can't apply to everybody, uh, but the hope is that it applies to enough people. So one uh, topic I have coming up, for example, is how veterinary medicine, traditional veterinary medicine, and sort of alternative medicine are working together and how you can do that easily with social media and how any of that, all of that can help your pet. And that's the whole idea, helping you as the listener. So the more people that I can appeal to where it matters to them, the better, or just the topic that they find fascinating. So a lot of people out there don't have, for example, pet hamsters, but maybe if I make it interesting enough about the pet hamsters, uh, or entertaining enough, you know, for what I do, it not only has to be, I think, interesting, if we're talking radio, uh, but entertaining. And even when I speak at veterinary conferences, which I'm honored to do around the world to veterinary professionals, uh, I try to be entertaining as well as informative. I'm, I must be informative. I must be scientific-based when I talk at these conferences. I must have proceedings to back everything up with absolute science. But if I can be entertaining at the same time, then I feel that I'm hopefully catching their interest. So, so Steve, real quick, one of the things that I know that we often find in Toastmasters, and Melinda would agree with this as well, is that when we have to deal with topics that are generally sort of dry and very factual, that one of the things that really helps with that are telling a lot of stories. Do you, do you find that like you have a story bank and like you can refer to those stories that you can interject at some point? Like, do you use stories to maybe thematically present an entire uh, session? Sure. I mean, I do a lot of these things like pretty much unconsciously, you know, but okay. as you mentioned it, I do that, you know, so sure, I, I absolutely do. And, and I tell stories not only about things that happen to me, because that can be interesting, but not always, uh, but other people that I know, too, regarding their pets. So if I talk about uh, training cats, why would you want to even train a cat if you even can? So I talk about that, uh, but I also talk about my cat that played the piano and how easy, yes, you heard me right, played the piano. And, and how easy it was to transform this ordinary cat into a virtuoso. Very, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, that's as a Toastmaster and as, as a public speaker, having stories or having those interesting stories such as you have are so important. 
And I know you said you talked, you were a regular speaker at veterinary and conferences. I know around the world, I've, I've heard and I've seen of your travels. And you also speak at fundraisers or other special events. So now with uh, COVID throughout sort of the world, how's your speaking opportunities changed? Um, oh, I don't many have as meetings many. I know have been canceled and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have as many of them uh, because right, uh, meetings, I can't speak where there is no meeting. Uh, some of the meetings have gone online. So uh, my audience has become whoever I'm talking to from my office or my living room. Uh, and I enjoy that, but it's, oh my gosh, it's not the same as a live audience. So the thing that I don't like the most is recording sessions on platforms like Zoom. Uh, What I like better is at least if I'm live and people can interact with me on whatever platform it is. But I really miss the live audience. I miss it so much that I got on a bus, you know, the CTA buses here, public transportation in Chicago, and and Mm -hmm. brought my slide projector and began to talk to people on the bus about cats uh, not hitting their litter boxes they should. You really did that? Well, not really. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't put it past you. That's a good story. I know. But the bus driver kept interrupting, saying, next stop, Ashland. I'd say, okay. And then I'd get, well, if your cat uh, then goes next to the box rather than in the box, it tells you next. But but, uh, I'm almost at the point of doing, I never thought I would miss airlines and airports, and I did. That's yeah, cool. now understandable. Hey, I got a quick question for you though. That you, b- before in the previous question, um, I'm fostering a dog right now, and this dog oh, has yeah from from uh, a shelter around here, and I and he is the most. I've always dealt with sort of, and I've worked there quite a bit, but I've always kind of dealt with the hyperactive ones or the behavior problems one that are, you know, the food uh, the food resource scarcity uh, ones or things like that. And I, I don't have a problem with them, but this one is totally opposite. He is a uh, like an introvert. He's so nervous. Like I, he doesn't even like to be petted. He like uh, if I whisper to him, I'll say, "Come here." He kind of puts his tail between his legs and he meekly walks his way over. And he literally is like a cat when I walk him. I, I almost have to pull him sometimes i've never mm. encountered a dog like that in my life what can i do with them what when did you get this dog how long did you uh have i've had him for two days now oh okay and where did you get him from by the way uh right way shelter in morton grove great yeah do you know anything about his background at all or he just just what uh, they told me that you know he's about two and a half years old and uh mm-hmm. I, it seems like he was abused or something but he doesn't show any signs of violence or anything yeah. he's just really no nervous. he probably yeah he probably wasn't abused probably not socialized appropriately, uh-huh. however. Um, and genetics might play a role in that too. By the way, what kind of dog do you think it is? Uh, you know, they, they call him Mambo, but me and my daughter looked up Anubis. On, uh, yeah, they call him Mambo, but he looks like the god Anubis, you know, the black dog with the big ears. He literally looks like that. And I, so I think he's <laughs> Okay, probably, I don't know, I don't know. Yes? So, you know, the Anubis is the, the human being with the dog head that the Egyptians Right, have. right. So he has that yeah. head the real big black ears and the yellow eyes. And he's got like a German shepherd body, but it's all black. So okay. it's probably a lab so, something. Okay. Okay. Um, so uh, take it slow. I love working with shy dogs or dogs yeah. that have this issue. And this actually ties in to the conversation that we're having about speaking in public. And I'll explain how and why I think that's the case in a second. But first, let me help you with your dog or try to. 
So if the dog is truly part lab, the dog has some food motivation here. So take a treat that you know the dog really loves. And if you don't know, well, try out little, you know, pieces of turkey hot dog. And by the way, I do mean little pieces or little pieces of turkey or lunch meat, no salt, uh, whatever it is. They could be liver treats that are manufactured, whatever it is uh, that you can find at your dog, little pieces of cheese that will go bonkers for whatever that is. Use that treat only for this purpose. When your dog shows sort of an outgoing type personality and confident personality, then treat the dog. When you're out on a walk, then treat the dog when your dog shows that. And what you can do is say, hey, come on, let's go, and try to, you know, be upbeat, and your dog does a little wag of the tail, dog gets a treat. Make it as fun as you can, given the dog's temperament. And eventually you'll be able to shape the behavior, actually, but what we do also want to do is we want to add confidence for this dog. Uh, there's all kinds of ways to do that, but we're somewhat limited because of what's going on in the world today. So uh, some dog training classes are up and running. Make sure if you decide to go to one, it's a positive reinforcement class. The worst thing that could happen to your dog is a dog a trainer that uses aversive training methods because that'll make your dog's demeanor all that much worse. If you can find a way to gain, give your dog confidence in such a class, that would be great. So there are classes now where uh, they call them the sense games, where they teach dogs to be search and rescue dogs, essentially. They find certain scents like lavender and get rewarded for doing that. You could also do your version of that in the house. Anything, anything you could do to build the dog's confidence. Teach the dog stuff. Sit, stay, and good boy for doing that. Make everything as much as you can fun and positive. If there's kids in the house, even easier to do that because naturally kids seem to be effusive and they're able to do that. But we want to build your dog's confidence up. It doesn't happen overnight. This dog probably wasn't socialized appropriately. And this is why socialization for dogs is so important. Now, the good news is your dog isn't so fearful that your dog is aggressive, apparently. And that's great because I get the same question a lot. And the dog is actually aggressive. Actually, the dog is terrified and exhibiting aggression as a result of that terror. Yeah. That's exactly what they, you're, you're spot on with that. And by the way, he doesn't even like food. Like he, I, I put food in his thing in his bowl and he won't even go eat it until we walk away from him. He doesn't growl or anything. when we get near to it. And I've given yeah, him treats. Yeah. Before, I've given him treats before. And it's like, he, he tepidly comes near me to take them. And he, he shows like, even like I've given him ham and it's like, he just kind of looks at it like, yeah, okay. Snatches it and he kind of runs away. And I'm like, okay, most dogs are okay, crazy. So, for that stuff. Sure. So the, the other thing is that understand it's only, first of all, been two days. And uh, the rule is always let, for now anyway, the dog call the shot. So don't push the dog too hard. If the dog is in a corner uh, trying to sort of keep away from everybody, call the dog to you. That's fine. But don't pull the dog to you. Don't force the dog. Try to do things at your dog's pace. Uh, you'll be better off for that. And what you're, what's going to happen in part, the truth is, that you're going to listen to all my suggestions, hopefully take them on and do them. Uh, but if I had offered nothing, the dog would improve with time anyways. You develop trust and a relationship back and forth with this, with this dog. 
play is a great stress buster, by the way. So if you can, and maybe your dog won't play, but if you can encourage your dog over time to play with a squeaky toy or something and to have fun, that's great too. Yeah, that's great. And you know, so how but ironic, this, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but this all ties in uh, with what you guys are talking about, you know? So I go up in front of audiences of a thousand people or I go on television uh, I don't know how many people are watching. If it's national TV, I hope a lot. Uh, or I do the videos that I do or I'm on radio. Uh, do I get me this? Yes, a bit. You know, but when people talk to me afterwards or they interview me, they say, you wouldn't have this problem because you're so outgoing. Truth is, I'm shy. Uh, by my definition, I'm not a particularly confident person either. But what you do is the best way to go out there and do this stuff is to do it. Uh, it's the same with writing. I do, you know, I write books and stuff like that. I'm not a particularly great writer. But the best way to write is to write. And, and well, there's kind of a catch-22 there. It's like, okay, you need to actually have someone who's six feet, 800, you know, push you out on stage and, and force you to do it. Well, that's not good either. But uh, pushing yourself a little bit uh, to see what you can do uh, you may fail a few times, uh, may not be as good as you think you are, um, but that happens to me all the time still, you know. So the, the best way to get out there is to do it, and you're not alone if you think that you're, well, too shy or not confident enough because I'm not either. I'm too shy and I'm not confident enough, but yet I'm out there doing it every chance I get. Well, we want to thank you, Steve, for really that recommendation on how to just do it, how to enhance your speaking skills by just getting out there and doing it, no matter whether you feel not confident, nervous, or you feel confident, just get out there and do it. So we want to thank you so very much for sharing your wisdom with us today and chatting with us. So, Steve, how can our listeners check you out? Well, if you have pets. Uh, hopefully, I can help you out by you checking out my website, and that's stevedale.tv. Mm-hmm. And you can sign up for, it is my favorite four-letter word, a free newsletter that comes out a couple times a month in general uh, that has lots of information and news about what's going on uh, with pet health, pet welfare, uh, and, and certainly COVID-19, how that relates to our pets. Funny stories about pets as well. All of that at stevedale.tv. Well, thank you, Steve. And this ends another episode for Epic Communicators. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook at Epic Communicators and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Hey, we hope you found this useful for your own personal growth. We're so glad that you decided to join us today. And if you want to learn more about Epic Communicators or just generally improve your communication and leadership and public speaking skills, head on over to Epic Communicators on Facebook. We've got loads of content that you don't want to miss. Talk to you soon.